Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. This is a this is another a, a long-awaited return to form uh, for the Phantom Correspondence uh, as we uh, we do some, uh, some something that we, we did about a about a, about a year and a half ago. Maybe? I think the last one was Elizabethtown. In like oh so, how long ago? God. Yeah, exactly. That was long ago. a long time ago. That was almost a, that was that was close to a year and a half ago, right? Yeah. That was during the pandemic, right? Yeah. No, wasn't it? Yeah. Holy moly! So about a year and a half ago. Anyway, so so anyway, we're back. We're back. Yes. yes. <laughs> if you if you listen to that Elizabeth Town podcast, <laughs> you were you. like, you were thank, what? Yeah. For what? Thank you. But two, it, you've just been waiting. Like, what is the next movie they're going to do? Well, this is a, this is it. We're going to talk about only you. Um, and uh, we have we have decided that this is going to be a recurring segment for us where we talk about uh, movies that are somewhat under the radar, I guess would be safe to say, but that are also some of our favorites. Um, and we're going to try and do that, you know, maybe maybe once a month, you know, make, put those here in here and there. Um, so just so we can have some some fun conversations about movies. I personally after this movie, I'm dying to hear what uh, Red Lanyard has to say about it. <laughs> yeah, because as I'm watching this this thing, I'm just like, this is the most like insane like movie, and like it's it's, it's so great. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. However, before we get started on, on our on our uh, on our fandom flashback, um, we are uh, we do want to plug a few things. Um, we still got Star Wars uh, EU or U. Uh, which is I, I, I keep saying you and y'all say you. It's you. It, it, it's you. Okay. You or you? Is it you? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but those have been fantastic. Uh, some really great deep dives uh, by Jake and Al and some guests uh, on the Star Wars expanding universe. Uh, Jake, what do we have coming up next? Next up, we have Tales of the Bounty Hunters, edited by Kevin J. Anderson. Okay, is that is, is that the book that's like the short story? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's a great. That will be one I will I will be looking forward to because that one's great. Uh, the Dingar story is a lot of fun in that one. Uh, have you read Have you read it yet? I have not. I'm I'm um, halfway through the first uh, the IGA IGA. Gotcha. Well, I, all the stories are really all good in that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that that's a fun that's a fun little uh, uh book there. Um, so yeah, so we will uh, uh we'll definitely be looking into doing that coming up. Uh, also, uh, we've got uh, TikToks. Uh, go back and look at some TikToks. We've got 30 days of... Uh, 30, or, well, 31. 31 days, because there's 31 days in March mm-hmm. uh, as April from Parks and Rec figures oh, out. Yeah. Uh, so there are 31 days, not 30. Um, so definitely go back and look at those. Uh, Jake, did, Jake did most of them. I did three mm-hmm. of them. Uh, we've, we got some pretty good responses on those. Uh, maybe some possible podcasts coming up later mm-hmm. uh, from that. Um, so, but definitely go back and check those if you're looking for some good comic recommendations. Um, also, uh, Jake has been streaming like a madman. Um, he's now doing Stardew Valley and Bloodborne, which might be the that is the that is the best. We've got range. We've got the, range. The best combination of video games you could possibly do um, because you know they're they're very dissimilar, but also a lot alike. Let's yeah. be honest with yeah. here. So uh, a lot of grind in both of them. Um, so yeah, you definitely got that to look forward to. Also, I would like to tell you, uh, I've got some G.I. Joe content coming up. Uh, so we're definitely going to be looking at some G.I. Joe content pretty soon. I know me and Jake have a somewhat of a, uh, uh retrospective on the G.I. Joe comic, uh, that's coming up discussing it. Um, uh, just looking at, uh, what it did and what it meant to the industry and how it's kind of underrated. 
and then maybe some other fun stuff uh, involving G.I. Joe's later on. Um, so that's all coming up. Uh, and uh, with that out of the way, um, I'm going to introduce everybody around us. Uh, we have the EIC, the man, the myth, the legend, Jake Vance McCarty. Hardesty. Hardesty, yep. yeah. Uh, how you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. <laughs> good, good to see, good to hear from you. Uh, also, uh, coming in live via satellite from Lexington, uh, we have Al Red Lanyard Mattingly. Al, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing fantastic. Um, emotionally, I am in a much better place than any of the characters in the movie we just watched. So <laughs> fair, fair point. And uh, then, then we have, and I, I left you for last because. Uh, Jenny, this is your movie. It was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, and of course, I'm 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 Josh. I'm hosting uh, this right now. Um, but Jenny, this is this was your selection. It okay? was. Yeah. Uh, why did you pick this movie exactly? Well, so uh, I thought it was cool how um, you know Ant Man, Iron Man were in a movie together. Yeah. Over almost thirty years ago. Right. Um. So I and I remember I remember absolutely adore this movie me and my mom used to watch it because you know robert downey jr uh but you know it's interesting how different things i don't know your perspective changes in so many ways as you get older um and back then i thought this movie was adorable and robert downey jr was really enduring uh and now like i was it was just cringy the entire time but uh anyway so i picked it because of how I remembered it, not for how it is. Right. Okay. <laughs> I hope I hope we have more more examples like that because that that's going to make this a much more fun uh, podcast. I think because I'll be I mean like I I, I just recently rewatched it myself. Um, I did you know I I, I remember like you ever watching it a lot with mom and um, and I remember thinking it was a fun you know cute, cute movie, cute movie. Like, so and then here's the thing okay look here's, here's the honest truth okay it is a fun cute movie okay it, okay. it, it is all right it's just you know it, knowing knowing what we know now and knowing what we knew in 1994 <laughs> things are different okay you know um, you know there's a lot of there's a lot of things in this movie that just don't translate well uh, anymore in 2022. Should they have translated back then, though? You know, I mean, I don't know, man. Here, look, here's here's the 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 gist of the movie. If, if I can sum it up, is two uh, seriously. Uh, uh, we'll go with quirky, although <laughs> Al might have a different. Al might have a different opinion. Two seriously quirky people. Do a bunch of really weird things <laughs> and fall in love. That's essentially what happens. Um, but Jenny, since, since it is your movie, um, why don't you give us a a, a rundown, real quick rundown, <laughs> okay. uh, and try and do so, you know, in the spirit of how you watched it, as opposed to in the spirit of how you see it now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. So you want me to describe it how? 13 yards, Jenny would have. Well, I mean, just, just describe what happens, you know. Okay, I'll describe what happens. With, 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 any, with, any type of, without any type of extra context okay. at all. Okay, cool. So, uh, Marissa Tomei's character. Um, His name is Faith. Faith. Because why not? You know? we're, we're um, really on the nose here. Yeah, so Faith uh, and her friends have this Ouija board. And um, she's like, who am I going to marry? Because that's, you know, all teen girls think about. And uh, the Ouija board is like Damon Bradley. 
Um, because what a sexy name, right? That's so, mm-hmm. uh, and so years go on. She never meets Damon Bradley. So she settles for a podiatrist because why not? Yeah. Um, and hold on. hold on, Jenny, hold on, Jenny. I'm going to stop you right there. I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to be very rude and stop you right there Okay. because you left out the crucial detail from the movie that she goes and sees a Romani fortune teller oh, at the state great. fair who oh, further awesome. confirms yeah. um, <laughs> the prophecy that apparently the dark spirits of the Ouija yeah, board. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to be rude and stop you because I want your opinion on that in a second. But let's get through. Okay, like, yeah. Literally, that's the next thing we're going. But literally, I wouldn't be getting this. Okay. So, so, yeah. So, she's had two people confirm that David Bradley is the love of her life. Blah, blah, blah. Settles for a podiatrist. Gives up, um, basically. I mean, she doesn't say that, but that's basically what happens. And um, but then, lo and behold, randomly, uh, one of her fiance's friends calls her, and who is it? Damon Bradley. Damon Bradley. And he's like, "I'm going to Venice," and yeah. she's like, "Oh my God, I love Venice!" And so, in her wedding dress, she goes to the airport, and she tries to get on the plane. Um, and then uh, her very supportive friends are like, "Well, we're just all going to go to Venice mm-hmm. and look for," or we're actually just one of her friends. Just one of uh, yeah. But the friend did show up for support. Yeah. She just couldn't she leave. Have a passport. Yeah, she doesn't have her passport. Mm-hmm. She's got she's had it rough. Uh, and so they go to Venice, and um, so they uh, they keep thinking they they keep missing him, right? Um, and then uh, Barbie Dollar Jr.'s character shows up and fixes her shoe. She trips or something, and she loses her shoe. Yeah, trying to find Damon Bradley. Yes, she runs after him. Yeah, and then Robert Downey Jr. finds the shoe, and he's like, and he fixes it, and he's he just basically ignoring him. When yeah, he's but he's like, oh, him. she's like, he's fine. Yeah. That's basically what he's she's like. like she's fine. And so like, so then he's like, well, what's going on? What are y'all doing here? And so she's like, she very stupidly tells him that she's looking for the love of her life, not realizing. I, I rewatch. Sorry, I'll get back to no, that in a no, second. No, I said no okay, so uh, so she she tells him that she's looking for the love of her life, named Damon Bradley, and Robert Downey Jr. is like, "Whoa, I'm Damon Bradley. Okay. That's weird." All right, so so and so, that's so basically let's, it. Okay, so, 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 so let's stop there because <laughs> that is the last sane thing that happens in this movie. <laughs> and by the way, none of what insane. we said was sane. Okay? <laughs> All right, but that is the last sane thing that happens in the movie. Where this movie twists and turns after this is places that we honestly have to applaud uh, movie makers <laughs> for coming up with a script with this many twists and turns because there are things you're like like at, at, at no point watching this movie should anyone expect <laughs> Billy Zane walking out of the pool you know in, in, his, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a sexy wig you know so like but anyway okay so 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 that so that's our premise okay is that basically falls in love with Robert Downey Jr. who says he's Damon Bradley. He's spoiled alert. He's not Damon Bradley. He's not. And then shenanigans happen. Okay. Lots of shenanigans. Lots of shenanigans. A couple that I really want to get into. Okay. <laughs> All right. Because the whole movie is based on a shenanigan. Uh, that's the best part about it. Uh, base, basically, this movie is basically telling you that fate does not exist, okay? Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, and all honestly, <laughs> that's true. Like, tell me I'm wrong. Okay? But, but, <laughs> but, okay. Um, if, he hadn't said Damon Bradley, she would have never found Peter. Peter. I'm not even talking about that. I'm just saying, I'm just saying if, like, if, 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 if at 10, Larry hadn't done the stupid thing he did, 
twice for no reason whatsoever. For no reason whatsoever. No, this would have happened. But but, but did he really expect his sister to be like that shit crazy? And just, I don't know. You didn't eat kiwis for four years, so I told you they were werewolf eggs. Yeah, so, I'm stop and eating I, raw shrimp. Exactly, and I expected all that, you know. But well, so, should we what, give context to that? No, not at all. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to give you any context, okay? Because because I just think it's more fun that way. But I do want to get into where I do want to talk because when this movie started, okay. All right, I want to ask Al. Al, is the first 15 minutes of this movie the perfect horror movie setup? Well, (laughs) (laughs) I just, I love the idea that, (laughs) I love the idea that in, in this time, um, this 11-year-old girl and her brother have a Ouija board, and she's using it to ask, like, who her soulmate is. Because right. it could just it could just be me having grown up in, like, a, a Christian household and having um, um, parents who were who were somewhat influenced by, like, the satanic panic of the of the 70s and 80s. Because my understanding as an 11-year-old child was that a Ouija board is something you use, like, to talk to demons. So my headcanon is that this little girl had, like, had talked to God a few times because they're established as being, like, a Catholic family. Um, That doesn't come up very often, but that does come up in the movie. Um, And so I like to think that um, faith as a young girl, had talked to God and asked him, God, send me an angel to tell me who my soulmate is. Um, and God just kind of had left her on red so many times that she was just like, fine, I'm going to ask the devil instead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask the devil, and he's going to tell me who I'm supposed to end up with. Um, and then, and this is great because... Um, I can't talk about the opening of the movie without talking about like a, a quote unquote spoiler because we learned by, by the end of the movie that her brother um, had set the whole thing up as a prank. Um, it's unclear how much time has passed between the Ouija board and the state fair where she goes and talks to the Romani fortune teller because, but man, I want it to be years. She does look older than she did in the opening. So I want it to be like six years have passed. And her brother is like still really devoted to this bit. And it's just like, oh, I'm going I'm to get her again. And the Romani fortune teller only comes every seven years to the <laughs> to the carnival. <laughs> this, is, this is my perfect chance. I'm going to get her. But um, no, this is... Um, I'll tell you what, Josh, um, in answer to your question, as a semi-recently married man, um, this whole film was a horror story (laughs) because the plot is completely fueled. Like the A, B, and C plots in the movie are fueled by the idea that like, Everybody is cheating on their significant other. That's the that's the crux of this entire film. Is that everybody, and not only is everybody cheating on their significant other, either physically or in or in an emotional sense, but it works out 
remarkably well for everybody involved who does it. So, so yes, this movie, to my now fragile, devoted heart <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to my marriage, is absolutely a horror film because it shows me, hey, your wife could up and go to Italy and, like, just be entranced by all these Italian and also the random American man here and <laughs> f- completely forget about you. And by the end of the movie, it just everything be fine. <laughs> the difference is Alyssa isn't crazy. So that is an important difference. I'll give you that. <laughs> I, I, think, I, think I don't think she would. I don't think she, she would consult with Elzebub to find out who, who her soulmate is. <laughs> Well, that, that's, that's why I was like, but like, because the first, the first few minutes have this like suspense kind of feel to them. It's like, you know. It's, <laughs> if you don't know what the movie's about. If you don't know what the like, movie's oh. about, you know, and like you see a Ouija board and then you see a very creepy like tip, <laughs> you know, and then like, and then like she grabs her and then is like, destiny is what you make of it. It's got all the trappings. Like there's yeah. a weird wind that blows every time an event happens. Exactly. Like, oh my god, the demons are real and they are trying to hook them up. <laughs> but but then but then not only does it have like the suspense element, but then it turns into basically like a madcap mystery uh, in the middle of it with all these twists and turns. Jake is someone who loves madcap mystery type movies. Uh, do you think it works as a as a as a mystery style movie? When you were watching it, we were like, where's this gonna go next? I so having no context for this film. All you knew was the actors. All I knew <laughs> was that Robert Downey Jr. and Mr. Tomei were in it. That is all I knew. I knew nothing else about this movie. I didn't even know Bonnie Hunt was in the movie, and she is a crucial part of the film. Yeah. Um, I knew Mom loved it. I knew you really liked it. Um, or apparently did when you were thirteen. I did. Um, so, <laughs> so, um. Yeah, having no context to it, like everything was very odd. Like, like, like you said, you know, the whole Dare Bradley thing. You know, um, I, I think one of my favorite parts is like because even if you start, like, you know, we, we, you know, we've been taking the Scott Snyder class. Yes, I'm going somewhere with this um, on writing. And so my thought process is now, whenever I watch a movie, is to see if they're following three act structure and so on and so forth. Um, How they do? <laughs> here's the thing: they actually don't do too bad on that aspect of it. But um, the first act is very odd because they take about four different scenes just to get to where they think Damon Bradley is, and then lose him, and then meet Robert Downey Jr. Right. You don't meet Robert Downey Jr. until like 40 minutes into this movie. 43 minutes in, I can't. Yeah. Um, th- that part's odd. Um, you don't really have a whole lot of context for him. because, And we also don't have like a time frame of like how long they are there. We do, actually. We do. We do. So she okay. leaves on a Friday after, or a Friday night. Possibly a Saturday morning. Okay. But we know it's over Labor Day weekend because she doesn't have to teach classes. Because that class is until Wednesday. Wednesday. Yes, okay. So so she she takes she she takes an entire trip up and down the Italian peninsula in it's five It's a really days. convenient timing. It's huh. really convenient. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, they, they had demons on their side, apparently. Yeah, that's true. You know, so. They did. They did. Um, and, and, and ironically, some nuns, too. 
Yes. Yeah. Um, because when they break down, they just leave a sign that says out of gas and then some nuns. And then up. some nuns come That out. might be my favorite part of this entire thing. <laughs> and, but I'm going to get into the uh, uh, leave America and go to Italy uh, undertones of this thing where Americans are the worst and Italians are the best. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Probably leave that out to you, Jenny. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, carry on. Um, but no, like, I mean, that scene in, in, in itself, like, so many different things happen to where they have so many different obstacles that they have to overcome. Um, like, so, 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 man, this at what point did you go, that might be too many twists and turns for a romantic comedy? I would say them losing gas, actually, really, because, well, because they go to the first hotel and then, uh, oh, he left the hotel. Oh, okay, well, that part kind of sucks, but then the random hotel manager is like. Well, here's the key to his room. Go, <laughs> go rummage around in the trash, I guess, and see if you can find out where he went. Like that, that part itself was weird to me. Like, like honestly, the opening with the Ouija board wasn't that that weird to me in hindsight. But that dude, I guess, is working in the service industry. That dude just being like, well, here's the key, you know. Well, crazy Americans, I don't know. You might just be like, I don't want to deal with whatever this is. I I guess, but here's the thing. This is apparently. Um, the same hotel where a woman named Kathy Lynn Crosby stayed. And I don't even know who that is, but apparently that was a reference in 94 because Bonnie Hunt mentions it like three times. I thought, um, I thought it was the second hotel that was like... Second hotel is John Collins. Oh, thank yeah, you. Okay. Yeah, and, and another person I don't know, but I but I do remember that <laughs> reference. Um, also, they don't mention John Collins as much. Um, uh, yeah, I feel like some of the references were lost on me being born in 94. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so for reference, there was a show called uh, Lifestyles of Rich and Famous, yeah. and Kathy Lynn Crosby was very big on it. She was on it several times. It's where, okay, you remember uh, you remember Trick Beverly Hills, right? I do. Okay, you remember the guy that comes out and goes, it's caviar wishes and khaki dreams? That guy. Okay. All right. That might be the next one. Yes. That one. Okay. That one is. That's Robert Leake, and he used to host this show where you just go around and talk about rich people, which which is great because <laughs> I, 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 pot, listeners, you cannot see the horrified, disgusted look on my brother's face as I say that. But like, just a general idea of like that being a thing, and now in 2022, being like, we would like. Like, we're on the precipice of a revolution. Like, you know, like, better, probably shouldn't do that. But that was that was a thing. It was a lot like Cribs, only like, you know, like this really rich guy would come along. And he was a big part of it. So every gotcha. so every time they go into a hotel and they say that, they're trying to add that flair to it. Gotcha. Like, okay. We are way out of our depth here. Okay, well, on the other end of that spectrum, okay? And once again, this might just be me thinking from modern day times. He just drops that credit card immediately, right. which is weird. Um, he gives him the key, which is also weird, especially if this is such a big, like, fancy hotel. Um, then they go – then they're just like, well, we're just going to a different city in Italy. Just let's go. Mm-hmm. And they have a car, but they don't get enough gas, which that in itself is weird to me. Like you said, there's just too many turns because my only thought process is why would you not fill up if you are – in a foreign land that you don't know. And I know, once again, this is a romantic comedy. You're not supposed to really think that way. You're supposed to just kind of turn your brain off to certain things, just kind of let them, let them do their thing. But the entire time, I was trying to figure that out. Then, the weird part is that both Bonnie Hunt and Marissa Tomei's characters get in an argument with each other. I'm kind of on Bonnie Hunt's side the entire time, mm-hmm. because... 
presumably because Marissa Tomei doesn't drop out her credit card for a random hotel, which they don't stay in. Right. Um, and, I, and I'm assuming he doesn't give them the, the refund. So I'm assuming he has paid $400 just for a random night that they're not going to spend well, in the room. Technically, Larry paid $400. And yeah, I'm, per- and I, I'm kind of that. perfectly fine with that. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, that makes more sense, actually. Yeah. But, okay. But then they take the car and. You know, like like Bonnie hunts us along for the ride at this point. You know, he's doing what he can. And Marissa Tomei has the, in my opinion, audacity to be upset with her and for getting them lost, even though they're in a country that they have no idea where, where they really are. You know, so I just, yeah, no, too, too many turns, like you said, um, because by all technical reference, if I, if I was making the movie, they would land, um, they would be lucky and find him at like the hotel bar. The, the guy in the blue jacket who, I don't know if that's the guy that we see at the end of the film yeah, or, yeah, I'm or, pretty or sure whatever, is, yeah. whatever's going on there. Um, but then, it's even more awkward because then they already talked on the phone. Okay, now hang on. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, but I would have just cut like 20 minutes out of that movie just to make it run a little bit better and then immediately meet Robert Jr. But like you said... Forty-three minutes in, uh, takes that long to meet him. Yeah, so. it's it is it is an interesting, um, yeah, that the interesting kind of how how long it takes to for the movie to actually get going. They spend a lot of time setting up a friendship between Faith and uh, and Kate or Katarina. Um, but like, here here's here's a question I want to ask you, Jenny, because you know when when I when I was looking at into this movie and everything and you're made for this. Uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character, Peter Wright, uh, takes a lot of crap, uh, and 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 quite frankly, uh, you know, deservedly so, uh, for doing a lot of things that are a very uh, serial killer esque, so to speak. Okay, in this movie, um, but I have to ask. Okay, uh, you're you're my sister. Okay, all right. Let's say let's say I marry one of your friends. All right, and you guys are having a girls' night out. All right. And, you know, you guys are just chilling, you know, uh, you know, watching, you know, watching old movies or whatever. Okay. And I call that friend at your house and I'm like, hey, I need you to run home and make a bunch of sandwiches and pick up a bunch of beer. <laughs> and listen, you need to be get on that right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like you need to do this because the guys are coming over. What is your response going to be? Like, oh. how, how, how would you how would you react to that? I would I would have taken the phone out of her hand and been like, "You are out of your mind." Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm, <laughs> mm. yeah. That is that is an inexplicable scene in a movie yeah. that's trying to make us like Faith. Yeah. Because then later on during the gas the gas fiasco, mm. Faith is all like, "Well, I know Laurie really loves you." And here's the thing: I think this movie should have ended with. Kate being like, you know, I like the Italian dude. Exactly. I know it was wrong. Body. I know. Was I don't wrong. care. I mean, we're we're already we're we're already in weird mode anyway. <laughs> Kate should have gone Giovanni. You know, we we there are consequences to our actions, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. You know, and if, if no, Larry was an ass, and yeah, Faith wasn't being a good friend in my opinion. Yeah, it, it, it's it's kind of a weird it's kind of a weird setup. Uh, so like, so I do have to ask because you know we we do see the way Faith is written in this. Uh, I understand why you know she has issues with Peter. I get that. Uh, after things are revealed, but I gotta ask you: Is Faith a horrible person as well? Yeah, no, she's not great. Yeah, she's definitely not great. Mm. Um, and she's also crazy. Like she's like manic most of the time. Yeah, fair. Uh, you know, 
yeah. I almost feel like, you know, it's like it's, it's one of those situations where, like, she's really lucky to have the support system she has. Because... Well, yeah, because, again, like, when she calls Kate at the airport and is like, I need this, 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 and this, and the plane leaves in an hour. So yeah. hurry up. So people are just kind of abusing Kate. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah I, I agree, you know. But I did, I did really, I, I liked, I liked Kate's character a lot, Jenny. You know, yeah, she's cool. Well, like, expound on her character a bit. Uh, I mean, she's just uber supportive, um, and uh, frankly, they don't deserve her. Um, I, if I were Kate, I mean, I, I would have, I, I would not have. Uh, well, okay, so Kate's a good person, but I don't know how good of a friend. Like, she's supportive, yes, but if one of my friends was like, "I'm gonna go meet this dude." that I met on a Ouija board, which is something one of my friends would probably call me sure. and do. I would be like, no, you're not. That's not logical. We're not doing that. That's what I would do. So, so yes, Kate's a good person, but I don't, I don't know. Cause I don't know how good of a friend that is to indulge in that. Mm. But I, I do, I do get a sense that maybe she, she needed to leave as well. Oh, that's uh, fair. Yeah. That's fair. She yeah. needed to get away for a bit. Yeah, after uh, being the handmaiden to Larry. Right, exactly. Yes, <laughs> after being that's handmaiden fair. as well. Uh, so, you know, and she, and she she has kind of her, you know, awakening kind of moment uh, as well. Mm. You know, uh, that, you know, she deserves someone that, that likes her. Of course, then she just lets that guy go away to go back with, you know, freaking Larry. But okay, whatever. They love but, blue-collar boys in America. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, once again, I think the movie's a little anti-American, but we're, we're, we're yeah. getting there, guys. We're getting there. <laughs> uh, well, so we're talking about, so talk about faith. Al, with all of your, here's what I want you to do. I want to take all of your time in the social sciences. Okay? <laughs> right, I want you to take every, every bit of it. You've been okay? training for this moment. Right? Your entire life has led to this moment where I'm going to ask you, to analyze Robert Downey Jr.'s Peter Wright and tell me what you think of that character. Oh, boy. Oh boy. Yeah. It's going to be one of those podcasts. It is. It um, is. Yeah, man. So, so let's get, let's get one thing straight, right? So, so the first thing that we see Peter Wright do is he finds Faith's um, shoe that's been, uh, you know, the heel's been lodged into the into the hastily cobbled streets um, of Italy. Um, and so he, he pulls it out. And he's just like, this woman, she needs this shoe. Um, which is, like, you know, that's a lot to chase a person through the streets of a foreign city. Um, in order to give them, you know, in order to give them a shoe, which they obviously t- didn't care about at all. But um, he tracks her down. Um, like finds them, and from that point on, I can't emphasize enough. This goes back to what Jenny was talking about, um, and what you, Josh, were talking about about how things kind of haven't aged particularly well about this because from the moment he finds faith almost everything else he does for the rest of the film has to be said with the phrase without consent (laughs) because (laughs) he tracks her down the first thing he does it's is take it upon himself to put her shoe back on her her bare foot without her consent (laughs) Um, and that like may seem like oh he's just helping her out but like i've never felt the need to touch 
a strange woman's foot, um, regardless of what the context was. And even if I had found an expensive shoe on the on the hastily cobbled streets of Italy, um, I don't think I would also still take it upon myself to touch a person's foot um, again without their consent, even with their consent. But that's a different thing. Um, and then, and then, which is which was the biggest red flag? This this moment set the tone of the rest of the film for me. Because she says, I'm trying to find my soulmate. I'm trying to find the person I'm, I'm destined to marry. Which sets no red flags off in his head. He's just like, okay, cool. Who is he? Um, and she tells him. And he says, well, I am the person you're trying to find. And then they go off and they have like a brief love affair that night. Um just to clarify for anybody who watched this and was unsure, but got kind of a weird feeling within their stomach, um, having any kind of physical relations with a person under a false pretense of who you are is sexual assault. Um, that's illegal. You can go to prison for doing that. Um, and so, but he very easily does that. Then he gets mad at her for being uncool with the idea that you know he basically sexually assaulted her having a physical relationship with her without um under a false pretense of his identity um um and lying to her then in a move i don't really understand he finds billy zane <laughs> just at a hotel I don't know if he knew Billy Zane before. I don't think that's ever addressed. But he finds Billy Zane. And it's just like, hey, man, this really attractive woman is going to come up to you at a pool at this hotel and ask you to dinner. And you've got to say yes to her. But don't do anything like weird with her, even though she'll probably be into it if you do. Speaking from experience, when you tell her your name, but like, just do this for me. <laughs> and so I need like, I need a prequel film talking about what the relationship between Peter Wright and Billy Zane is. Um, I know his character, his name is Harry, but I'm going to continue to refer to him as it's, it's Billy just Billy Zane. Zane. His name is Billy Zane. And then the facade is ripped away and faith is understandably pretty upset because the same thing that happened with peter just happened to her again <laughs> again through the handiwork of peter Wright, <laughs> because he just basically sexually assaulted her again through the hands of another man <laughs> who also is not really the person she thought he was and so she flees the yacht, and Peter has the audacity to have a dramatic outburst and just be like, your life's changed without me. You're never, you're gonna, you're crazy over me, and your life is never gonna feel as fulfilled now that you've had this weird series of interactions with me. It's, it's over. Okay, you're nuts over me. 
as this frightened woman is fleeing a yacht. <laughs> He's saying this. And then, here we go, guys. Possibly the most psychopathic part of what Peter Wright does in this entire movie is when the Stockholm Syndrome-esque trauma has worn Faith down into, into professing her love for him. And she goes on the plane to find him. The motherfucker has his feet up <laughs> on the seat in front of him in an open <laughs> airplane. <laughs> and he turns and sees her and he just smiles with his feet still up in the air by people's heads who are captive participants in this weird exhibitionist <laughs> foot fetish thing he has going on in the airplane. <laughs> Again, without any of his airplane compatriots' consent, he is doing this. <laughs> and then they go kiss and it's fine. Um, and I want to point out, I know that went some places and I apologize, but I want to point out um, we have to throw an explicit tag on this episode now, but I want—I do want to point out that as of, I think as of the moment after she finds out that he isn't who he says he is, um, the doctor who she is still engaged to who hasn't done anything wrong this entire movie <laughs> ceases to be brought up again for the rest of the like the hour long time left in the movie. <laughs> um, because I think that's something as like utterly insane as Peter Wright is and all the, all the various characters in this film are, um, it gets kind of brushed past that her fiance Dwayne, like, hasn't done anything wrong. He's just like she's not the person. He's not the person that she's in love with. And I get that. You don't want to be married to someone you aren't completely in love with. I totally understand that aspect of it. Um, <laughs> but these escapades are going on, and Dwayne is presumably just back at home, taking care of his patients. Um, Jacob can attest to this. Um, everybody craps on foot doctors until like you're in dire need of one. Um, and then they're very useful. Um, he just hasn't done anything wrong. And he's just like, boy, I sure, sure wonder where my fiance is, but I'm going to trust her. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it's just insane. It's insane to me. So for sure, for sure. Some weird antisocial, narcissistic stuff is going on with Peter Wright. 100%. Um, well, there's, there's, some, there's an interesting kind of a, a, better, a better movie to examine here. Although I will say, so the movie, the movie does its best to try and be subtle before we get to uh, Italy, um, particularly with, with the podiatrist, because you do have these moments where like, we're like, there are definitely things he does he is very uncomfortable with. One being the wedding dress, uh, which, I mean, I, you know, to me, you know, was, was was a bit of a red flag, you know, saying, yeah, sure, she'll wear your wedding dress and not consulting, you know, with the person getting married. 
Uh, and then, of course, you also have these like little moments where like, you know, she's he's fixing her hair and being like, well, this is how it's supposed to look and things like that. So you have these little subtle moments. All right. I agree to your point. He hasn't done anything worth. Uh, I'm going to break off the engagement five days before to fall in love with this uh, uh, psycho person mm-hmm. that I've just met. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. This move, this this concept's handled way better in Sleepless in Seattle. Yes. Uh, when Meg Ryan's character and Bill Pullman's character meet, and Meg Ryan is going to give Bill Pullman the shot there, like it's basically like you know, but she also knows it's very possible that Tom Hanks's character is waiting at the top of the Empire State Building, mm. and Bill Pullman goes, well, you know, I don't I don't want you to ever think, you know, or ever go, what if. So I think you need to go after him, and then that's just kind of end. And it's a it's a nice little tie to to a character that is good and decent in that movie. Okay, you don't get that to Al's point in this one. You just they just stop talking. In fact, the other thing is is Damon Bradley doesn't bring it up when we finally meet the real Damon Bradley. Which, in my opinion, like if that guy's a good friend, he's gonna be like, hey, did you know your fiance is running around in Italy after a psycho person? You know. <laughs> Because like that's to me that that is a uh, that's that's something you would want to tell somebody. So I, yeah, I do think you bring up a good point there with with saying like you know you don't get a uh, you don't really get a uh, a tie onto the end of his character. Everyone else kind of gets a wrap up. Uh, I guess he, he their doesn't. way of doing it was her sending a telegram breaking off the marriage. Yeah, I know, but like which was but even even then that's that might be the worst possible oh, way to. I mean like because. Because, like, you know, a text message, you know, we would assume would be the worst possible way. But you're not going to wait for a text message to get, you know, overseas two days. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, so it's even worse. So so by the time he figures out he's not getting married, it she is like, and... it is, well, not a, it's like two days before the wedding by the time <clears> he realizes <throat> if he doesn't, con- if she doesn't contact him before that. Mm. Um, so, like, so now, you know, we've got a, we've got a. You know, wedding singer situation. You know, where it's like, you know, this would have been nice information to have, you know, a few days ago. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I think uh, very, very much so in the, uh, uh, yeah, Peter, Peter Wright, very much in the, um, definitely in the, in the crazy mode here. I did, I, I do want to, I do want to defend a couple of choices this movie makes, or well, maybe not defend, uh, but at least point out why they're there. Uh, this movie, uh, once again, outside of having uh, references to lifestyles of the rich and famous. Uh, also, for whatever reason, uh, maybe just to try and clue you in, maybe trying to get uh, uh, you know older viewers to enjoy this movie, um, uh, has many many references to older uh, ro- romantic comedy movies. So, for example, the most explicit one is the Roman Holiday, Roman. where they yeah. uh, do Gregory Peck and Audrey Hepburn. Mm-hmm. Um, but Roman the 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 scene with the shoe uh, is also Roman Holiday, mm-hmm. right? So that, that's that's there as well. Yes. You also have uh, you also have uh, Faith say, you know, uh, you know, if I get on, if I don't get on this plane, I might regret it for the rest of my life. Maybe not today, maybe tomorrow. It's Casablanca. Uh, so you do have all these references there. So like the shoe thing, you're right. I agree. Is is like a little weird, but like at least at that point is like a sense of like we're we're doing a callback. The callbacks though end after that moment, and then we just go into like crazy time. into into like yeah crazy like you know territory where like where like if, if we if we write this script just a little bit differently, it's it's the it's the story of a stalker 
uh, you know, not leaving a young woman alone who is just <laughs> as crazy as she is. He is okay. Um, so, so actually, the, let, let's let's rewrite the script just just a tad bit, okay? Jenny, does this movie does this movie work better, okay? Um, if instead of going, I'm Damon Bailey, Bradley, Bradley, Bradley. Sorry, Damon Bailey was we'll a the player. entire film. She'd be like, never mind. <laughs> Damon Bailey was a was a player for Indiana University. Instead of saying I'm Damon Bradley, um, he just goes along and rides like, "Well, I will help you. I have a friend at the embassy." Okay, does that change the movie? Does that you think that would make it better? I think so, uh, because at that point, like, sure, he's still trying to like get with her, right? But it's not he's not being as manipulative. Um, but also, side note here, I just want to point out real quick. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're ever traveling somewhere, don't give out names of anybody that... Well, no, really, though, because had he not had that information, he wouldn't have even been able to use that against her to begin with. And, and, like, rewatching that, that's one of the things that irked me the most, just because, like, when I go anywhere, like, you know, like... And if I'm, like, by myself for even two seconds, you know, and somebody comes up to me, I'm like, oh, I'm waiting for, you know, my two big brothers. I'm waiting for, you know, but I don't get out names. Like, I, you, just, you can't use that, you know, like. In, in hindsight, you're right, because they are, like, <clears throat> they are, like, two scenes away from the first Taken film. That's exactly, like, that's, that's that's exactly what it. it. Is. And that, this movie might have inspired Taken, to be honest. Um <laughs> So, yeah. One, one late evening, Liam Neeson has a bottle of Jack Daniels. Yeah, he's just like, he's like, oh, I love Robert Downey Jr. I'm going like, to watch this movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's exactly what yeah. happened. Okay. Um, confirmed. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, just if you're traveling anywhere, or even, like, in your town, meet me a stranger, don't give out names. Just don't don't say anything. Just, you know, yeah. Uh, or quote, like, I don't know, like, gangster rap or something. And Yeah, I, yeah. fair. I don't know. But, uh no, back to your question, though, like, yeah, that would have been, I think, a much better way to handle the movie. Um, it would have been a little more enduring to, you know, have him be, like, uh, he would have been, like, trying to be helpful instead of manipulative. And that's just the, that's much more attractive. Because than... I do think the movie has some goals, you know, to try to set out to do. Like, I mean, I think, I think people wrote this script down with this goal. One. We're gonna look at beautiful Italy. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna look at all of beautiful Italy. This this movie kind of reminds me of Leap Year in a lot of ways. Where like, and to be honest, it's probably why me and mom liked it. So yeah, much. yeah. Well, because I mean, like, because there's in in a one in a one hour forty minute runtime, I'd say twenty minutes of it are just taken up with just looking at vistas. Yeah. You know, and just wandering around Italy and doing like, and just looking at how beautiful Italy is, which reminded me of Leap Year. Like, Leap, Leap Year's know, a lot like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it does a lot of similar things. Um, so you've got which that. we have a podcast on Leap Year, don't we? Or no. oh, we don't. Yeah, oh, okay. Because I, I, I refuse to watch. Oh, uh, okay. We had plans on it, and because Alyssa had requested because, it. Well, because I think and I wanted. It. I, I was gonna say I think Al and Alyssa watched it. But anyway, that's off the subject. Okay. Anyway. But anyway, uh, so that that's part. That, that's that's one part. Then the other part is look how cute. Marissa Tomei is. Yes. Look how cute Robert Downey Jr. Yes, is. that's very true. Now, somewhere along the lines, <laughs> at some point, someone wrote the script and was like, well, you know what would be really cute? If Robert Downey Jr. was like a crazy person going after a woman who narcissistically leaves behind a guy that really doesn't deserve to be crapped on like he In this be, way, yeah. You know, uh, what if what if that's how we get our meet cute together? 
And then, then they just, then, then they just wrote and wrote and wrote. And somewhere, Billy Zane got thrown in. And like, and just like shenanigans happen. Who, by the way, is not as attractive as he's made out to be in this movie. Oh, dude, man, Billy no, Zane it's so, so weird. Like, it's so weird to put him in a movie with Robert Downey Jr. and be like, "This is the hot guy. This is the one that you're like." Well, it's just very. Yeah, Jake, I want to I, I want to bring it up with you real quick because oh, I. Uh, do you like Billy Zane? Absolutely. <laughs> Let's talk now. No, not, not, not necessarily because you like Billy Zane, but because um, I I recently did a a about four hundred word text message to our group chat that talked about the most uh, insane scene in the history of movies that involved. Uh, Bianca Stratford talking oh, yes, about okay. uh, Jared Leto being a sex symbol. Uh, Katie Langs calling a someone that she thinks, or uh, alluding to someone a big part of the LGBTQ community as a Katie Lang fan, and then saying that women who have black underwear like to have sex. I said, now, hold on, hold on, hold on. All of this is from 10 Things I Hate About yeah, You, by all the way. All that's from 10 Things I Hate About You. Um, Which we'll talk about eventually. Yeah, I'll, I'll bring that up and tell you that as I was writing that, the prank gods were having fun with me because they were like, no, the most weird scene in movie history is going to be Billy Zane coming out of a pool in a Fabio wig, okay, to hit on Bristol Man in this movie. Because, Al, Al, although you bring up, like, yes, this was weird, but it gets even weirder because someone calls his name at the pool, like yeah. a little girl calls his name at the pool. Yeah. So that means... More more went into this than what we thought. Yeah. Also, somebody had to tell, like, the, the hotel has to be in on it because the hotel's like, yeah, Damon Bailey's at the pool. So Bradley. Like, Bradley. 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 <laughs> Damon Bailey. I hope, David, I hope the actual Damon Bailey listens. It's like, it's the most Someone remembers me. about the shooting guard from Indiana from 1991. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> but, like, Damon Bradley's at the pool. Like, so, like, it, there's so many people in on this, Jake. Like, is that the weirdest scene in movie history, or is it close? Or it's, like... It definitely is a contender, because, <clears throat> like, there's a point where Robert Downey Jr., before he has his... Uh, Final final form transformation into the ultimate movie villain of all time, um, because he even says like, and which if it's said in any other kind of tone besides just the dulcet tones of Robert Downey Jr. from '94, sounds terrifying because he goes, "I'm I'm gonna do it," and what it should be, I made reservations, I had I paid off hotel clerks, you know, like he says all of this, okay? No, not that way. No, um, but that's the way it should be said. Um, because you are correct, people call him Damon Bradley. Yeah. Um, which I I have so many questions. I had already known that he was not Damon Bradley because I paused it um, at just the right time <laughs> on the X-ray. He is not titled Harry. It is the fake Damon Bradley. Um, which, honestly, I love that so much. Um, but but so I saw through the ruse the entire time and was like, how much money does Robert Downey Jr. have? Right, exactly. Like, be, because you are correct, it is a weird scene, but it's even weirder that, like, Billy Zane and, and Harry, I guess, decides to play it as like this ultimate like airhead surfer dude, I guess is his yes, goal. Yeah, because 
and 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 at first I was like, oh well, that's just who he is. No, he is an entirely different person right. when he takes the wig off after the ruse right. is done. <laughs> and so, like, so then uh, my concern is, I'm like, okay, due to Robert Downey's obsessive nature, um, <laughs> and yes, I'm I'm going with that. Um, I'm guessing he has done the joke that Jim plays on Pam <laughs> where Andy does everything opposite um, for her because one of my favorite moments of this entire thing because you know it's going badly is when he's like, I think I'm going to get some shrimp but she goes, I love shrimp, but he goes, get out of town. <laughs> and it's just such a weird moment, you know? It was scampy, I think. Oh, scampy, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's just, it is a very odd... There is a 20-minute segment of this movie that is just very, very odd from the beginning to end. You're right, absolutely I correct. I agree. Um, because also, okay, going further into Robert Harry Jr.'s obsessive nature, the point where she is getting dressed and he keeps handing her the things that she's about to need um, in the bathroom is not only a creepy thing, but, like, just thought processes of, like, Having gotten ready for events, sharing, like, a bathroom with Jenny, you know, or something like that, there is no way things ever go that smoothly. Like, <laughs> like just at all. Um, also, he, I don't even know, what is the last thing he hands her, Jenny? An anklet. What is that? Because I had no idea what that An was. An Okay, gotcha, okay. Once again... Apparently, just obsessed with the with anything below her knees, like that, because he knew that he needed that immediately. Um, that's just weird. That was just weird to me. I don't know. I'm you slight know. defense here. He is a he is a shoe expert. Good point. Fair, fair. So because know, not, even not a total because defense, but a slight defense. because as Al has pointed out, he just rimless goes around starts looking at people's shoes, yeah. um, as he does to the woman at the end of the lady, airport, yeah. which. And all of them seem so impressed with it. I yeah. would not be. I'd be like... Here's the thing. He lifts the skirt of the lady yeah. at, at the end. Like, And I understand he's trying to get a better look at the shoe. But, Jenny, if someone even touches a skirt while you were wearing a dress, isn't your just immediate assumption that this woman is going to spear them just to the ground? Just, you know, yes. it's time to take them out. Yeah, you know? no, like, I wouldn't even think twice about yeah. that. Yeah, and that's fair. Um... But she's just, but she just tells him everything about, like, how she got the shoes, how much she paid, you know, and yeah, it's just that entire segment is where the, the the last twenty or thirty minutes of this movie is just very very odd. You were absolutely correct. Um, and Billy Zane is coming out of nowhere in a Fabio wig is is very very odd. Uh, and this is a year removed from Tombstone, um, and three years before Titanic. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, so I guess he is approaching the it. Person of the mid nineties. Um, I don't know if I ever called Billy Zane. I don't think I ever would either. Um, but yeah, he's uh, he's approaching something, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, Al, one of the uh, one of the characters that might get off maybe uh, a little a little unscathed in this movie, as as far as like coming off as a just complete and total dirtbag. Uh, is Giovanni. Uh, what did you think of Giovanni in this movie? Oh, well, I mean, he has the benefit of being viewed in contrast to um, to P P P Peter Wright, who, as we've all 
who, who, as we've already covered, was apparently just like one childhood head injury away from becoming a serial killer. And, <laughs> and in contrast um, to um, Faith's brother as well, Larry, who who he doesn't cheat, uh, but he is just like a very unkind, chauvinistic dude. Um, so in comparison to all that, we have Giovanni, uh, who's, who's just kind of, um, who's very taken with Kate. You know, he's just very, very, ha, oh, Kate, I'm gonna, I'm gonna attract you. Um, which is really funny because, um, on the boat, he has a line where he's just like, you probably think I'm one of those, um, men who just tries to seduce everybody I meet. Um, which is really funny to me because in the context of the film that we see, that's exactly the purpose of his character. Um, but, um, yeah, he's, he's an interesting dude. He, um, it's, I had a little trouble keeping up with what all Giovanni knew throughout the film, if that makes sense. We kind of, it kind of goes back to when we talked about the Eternals, which is probably not a comparison anybody was expecting to hear. Um, but it kind of goes back to the Eternals where um, it was kind of, uh, uh, we all kind of struggled with understanding which of the Eternals knew which amount of information about the overarching thing that was going on. Um, I kind of got a similar vibe from Giovanni because like, he seemed to grow a very fine affinity for Peter's character, right? Um, he invites him onto the boat. Um, he's the one who kind of goes to Peter and tries to restrain him while he's having his almost homicidal episode when Faith leaves the boat. Um, he's and so he's there. He has like the thing going on with Kate. But it almost, and then we see him, we see him in like a smaller boat afterwards, just kind of passing around what looks to be like some kind of rum or whiskey between him, Peter, and Billy Zane. And so like, at first you're just like, okay, this is just a guy who was very taken with this um, American tourist who kind of wandered into his boutique and things like that, um, and he wants to hit on her and, and see what's there and stuff like that. Um, but there is always that question in the back of my mind when I saw scenes with him of just like, how much does he know? Like, does he know? I'm not sure it's ever said up until um, that scene on the boat that Kate is still with her husband. Like, they're still married and things like that there's a scene where she's talking about her kids um which giovanni is very uninterested in which is fine whatever um but i'm not sure like does he know that she's still with her husband because if he does not then he comes away from this in like a pretty good way um in contrast to all the people who like had the full knowledge that they were testing the boundaries of fidelity with their significant others. 
Um, because if he didn't know, he was just kind of like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize you had a husband. I'm sorry. Um, but also, while y'all were talking about it, it came back to, to my mind as well. Because when I watched this last night, um, it came to mind. But I kind of forgot it because there's so much happening in the movie. Um, but you all say that, like, you know, um, they had to pay off uh, – Peter I had to pay off the person at the hotel to say, like, you know, like, yeah, this is Damon Bradley. He's here and he's out of the pool and things like that. But Peter is the only one of the American visitors who really speaks any Italian. And, he, and even he doesn't speak a whole lot of Italian. Um, so if Giovanni – knew what Peter was up to, he could have just gone up to um, to the desk worker at the hotel um, and just asked him in Italian, you know, um, is Tim and Bradley here? And the desk worker could just be like, no, we don't have anyone here by that name, or he checked out last night or whatever. And Giovanni could just be like, thank you, friend. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, he's out at the pool. And they would have no idea if what he said was true. So Giovanni's a weird one. I like to think that he is like the bastion of morality in this movie, <laughs> that he may get away with the seeming if certain things are true and if they're interpreted in certain ways. But he's a big question mark. I don't know. I don't know what he knows. He's a weird one. Yeah, I, I think I think he's I think you're you're close because I think I think he, he's intended to kind of be the moral center and almost like the guide of the movie. Um, the problem is is that yeah he 100% knows that Kate's married because Kate tells us that he's told her unless Kate's just a freaking liar and that's that doesn't seem to be her character. But then but then what what is character in this movie? To be mm. quite frank, who who is what? <laughs> Um, so, so that, that, that's a slight problem there, I think. Although he, I'll, I find him always to be very respectful in the movie. Um, you know, at, uh, it's, you know, he, he definitely is, is very enamored with her, but at the same time, it's, it's in a respectful way, so to speak. Uh, but like, I think that's what they're trying to do is try to set kind of a moral, a moral guideline there through him. Um, it's just, the problem is, I don't think the writers know how to write a moral character. Um, because like he's the guy that does have all of the like like when they're on the boat, you know, he's the one that delivers kind of the line, you know, which is you know to uh, to uh, fall to fall in love with a woman who doesn't fall in love with you. It is the greatest sting, you know. Uh, I mean, he, you know, so like he's kind of like trying to guide him through this, so to speak, uh, the best he can. But at the same time, you know, they the movie kind of wants him to be this kind of like. You know this moment for Kate, where Kate is, you know, opening up and finding up about herself, and like that puts him in a bad position uh, as far as like our, our moral stances go. But then also, once again, the, what is a moral stance in this movie? Because it's not like we're we're overtly concerned with that at this point. Um, because at this point, we're all lying and like you know, and paying off people and <laughs> you know, stalking and just just doing all types of crazy stuff. So yeah, I think Giovanni does come off the. Uh, the best of all our characters, I do think uh, there's a better movie that where like Kate just takes the kids, moves them to Italy, you know, and and they live in Giovanni's little uh, uh, what, uh, Pizzorino. Am I saying that correctly? Sure. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. They they all live cool. there. Yeah. Sure. Close enough. Uh, I've never I've never studied Italian, but anyway, close enough. And they all live there, and they live happily ever after. And Larry can have, you know, the boys over for poker any night he wants. You know, and just order Subway. I guess <laughs> that that to me is the is the better ending of this movie. Um, I do want to transition slightly. So to overarching thought of this movie, uh, one thing that is that I don't know if they intended it. I don't know if they like, you know, were attempting to make statements about like how people are uh, in America. Um, but there is a definite like Americans are jerks. Italians are good situation in this movie where like you know the americans you know uh, particularly are uh when when uh, faith is in the um is in the airport uh there's a point where like she's like love my life is on that plane and what happens in america yeah they're like all right who cares like yeah. they're, they don't give a crap it's a it's a yeah. two it's a two three seven code and like they call in a a a, a, a security guard, you rent a cop, whatever, you know, they just don't care. And then Italy, he's, she's like, the love of our, my life is on that plane. And then what happens? Like the entire crew yeah. is, is working to get her to Dame, to, oh, damn it, good Lord, <laughs> to Peter. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. It, it's the, it's, it's the inverse. It's mm -hmm. like, it's like, it's like the end of Wedding Seeker, only everybody's Billy Idol, you know, like <laughs> they're just all... <laughs> They're all trying to help her and like do everything they can to get her on this plane before the plane takes off. Mm. They call the pilot. They tell the pilot. The pilot's just like, "Oh, sweet, one more passenger. Let's go. I'm gonna stop. I'm going to shut the plane down so that we can do this." You know. And so, like, you you get you get a few instances of that. You also get Giovanni, you know, making the statement, you know, like, "What America? You know, y'all just work. You know, you live for live, work. You live for work. You know." And then, like, you know, in Italy, you know, we we live for pleasure and food beauty you know and like you know and i just i it, it was really interesting the reason it's interesting to me is like this might you all might not find this interesting in 2022 but let me tell you someone who lived in 1994 this is this is a weird this is weird because you know 1994 american movies almost all of them are still about you know bringing you know you know raw america you know mm -hmm. like very very little you know we, we don't criticize america uh, typically, foreigners uh, are just, you know, stupid people and they're rude and things like that. This movie was an inverse of that. Um, Jenny, did you find that uh, to be the case at all? Or did you find that interesting? Or Yeah, no, you're right. Because, like, yeah, every other rom-com that was done in the 90s, I feel like, is very pro, very patriotic. We'll yeah. say that. Um, but, I mean, they aren't wrong. That's probably the only thing this movie got right. <laughs> <The only thing laughs> right. Yeah. You want to have a romantic uh, getaway, I guess, go to, yeah, you can't really do it in America. But, I mean, that was a great line that Giovanni had, and it was true. So, yeah. Yeah. I think we've all learned in 2020 that, you know, work ain't, work ain't it, yeah. honestly. Work ain't it. So. Work ain't it. <laughs> work ain't it. All right. Well, I, I do want to. I want to wrap this up. Uh, but I do want to wrap this up. I was go around the table. Uh, you know, uh, you know, just just you know, final thoughts. Maybe a you know uh, score out of ten. Uh, you know, uh, Jake, we'll start with you. What do you think? <laughs> um, final thoughts. Um, <clears throat> this is a fantastic uh, thriller. Um, <laughs> Where we are consistently watching uh, Faith just be on the cusp of being kidnapped. Um, no, 
Um, this is a, it is a really, really good, it's a really fun movie. Um, wow. as insane as it can be, it's fun in that sense. Um, and I think that, I think that's why, that's why I enjoy it is just how insane it is. Um, but, uh, it does have, it does have some comedic moments. Like I told you earlier, the scene where she slams the door in his face it, for some, just the, the slapstick aspect of it will, will, this made me laugh quite a bit, so I did enjoy that. Um, and uh, yeah, Marissa Tomei and Robert Downey Jr. are just absolutely gorgeous in the early '90s. You know, mm-hmm. they just, and also they haven't really aged. And if they have, I think they might actually look better now, um, which is weird. Um, Robert Downey uh, Jr. definitely does. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I uh, let's see, score probably a six. Yeah. Well, I'll, go, I'll go with the six. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Al, what do you get? Um, yeah, well, just real quick, I cannot allow you, Josh, to um, just breeze past the fact that the security guard that's called at the American airport in the first part of the film is the best character in the entire movie. Because he shows up, he does his job, he responds to the call. He doesn't know what kind of disturbance could be going on, but he shows up very professional. And Faith turns to him and, and he says, and she, she's just like, I'm sorry, the love of my life is on that plane. And with the wisdom of centuries, the security guard just, just gives just kind of like a half, almost a quarter kind of smile and just like nods his head and, as if, like, he's heard that every day of his life when he goes to work. <laughs> he's the best character in the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so I had to give him a shout-out. I had to give him his dues. Okay, 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 okay. okay. Uh, if we're doing that, then, since you're, cause you're you know, I was going to try and make this, you know, under, you know, under uh, an hour or so. But then, 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 actually, I see your security guard and raise you one, okay? The actual best character in this movie is the person they think is Damon Bradley laying down in the next to the pool, who is mm. in a speedo <laughs> and has a beer gut uh, and is balding with this gold medallion who is just laying there, okay? And Marissa Tomei, Marissa Tomei walks up to this guy and his line is, what is it, Jake? You're in my son. Exactly, okay? <laughs> That is the best character in the movie. If for no other reason than it is the most inexplicable character in the entire movie. You're right. The the security guard has the wisdom of centuries. This guy has the wisdom of negative centuries, I guess you would say. Um, but that is the best character in the movie. But anyway, I'll let can, you. Can I offer my favorite uh, okay, side character okay, real quick, right. Vid? Um, my favorite side character is actually the real Damon Bradley. Um, because... <laughs> I just love, for some reason, and I I know that it is just framed as like, oh, they're at the airport, okay? But you were talking earlier about like the winds like howling in the background <laughs> when, when like destiny is happening. Him going, do you love him? Is one of my favorite scenes in any film ever. I love it so much because then like when he says I do, he just goes, good. And it's just, it's really, like, it would be kind of creepy in any other context, and but there's already so many creepy things that have happened in this movie. But, yes, carry on, Al. Well, I'm actually, sorry. Actually, I, no, hold on, hold on, real quick, real quick. 
I just can we all put ourselves in David Bradley's shoes for a second? Let's imagine. Let's imagine you're at the airport. Let's imagine you're at the airport, okay? And apropos to nothing, all right, all right. And you live a weird life as it is, to be quite frank, because you show up, hang out at hotels for thirty minutes, and then leave. So, like, you're already strange, okay? But let's, let's just imagine you're at the airport, okay? And you have no concept of what's happening. And two people tap you on the shoulder at the same time. And one of them goes, hey, this girl thinks she's in love with you, thinks you're going to marry her. Uh, lucky you, you have the right name, even though I love her more than anyone. And, like, he has in the wherewithal to instead of be like, you know, I'm going to, uh, I'm just going to step away from the situation. <laughs> They pretend I have a call or something, which is what most people would do, okay? But he comes in like the in the clutch, like the Kobe Bryant of this movie, all right, and is the one that makes everything happen. Although, in fairness, probably not a good thing because once again they're both crazy. But I mean, like you're you're right. I mean, there's a there's a lot going on there because, like, you know, I mean, I would not have the the temerity to sit there and and think of all this. Of all these, you know, like, well, do you love him? You know, like, I, I, I wouldn't be able to do that. I'm not going to be like, please just go away and leave me alone. Yeah. You know, anyway. Okay, Al, I'm sorry. We, we have interrupted you enough. It's uh, your, 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 your thoughts, although you technically started it, but your thoughts and your, uh, and your score for this movie. No, it's okay. It's okay. Because um, th- those were also um, great characters. Um, a part of me, when, when Damon Bradley, um, after he, had just kind of said, you know, do you love him? Um, and, and dismissed her to go chase after Peter Wright. A part of me was really hoping that, like, the camera would go back to him as she runs off, and he just kind of, like, waves, and then gradually, like, fades into mist, as if he was the Ouija board demon the whole time. What if he, like, grew a beard and turned into Santa Claus? This is a Christmas <laughs> That'd be the best thing ever. I wish it was because the only thing that would have made this better is you and Al talking about I know. I was just thinking that. Like, wow. He just grew and he goes, oh, oh, oh. You have no idea, but now you know it's Christmas. That's the only time you know. And so what would have been amazing is if you told Al to watch his movie during Christmas. And for an hour and 39 minutes, he's like, It's okay. It's okay. That was that was great. Um, uh, and also, just real quick, Josh's guy. He probably ha- that dude probably had that reaction because he probably like you know has a wife at home and isn't a cheap <laughs> piece of shit like every other character in this movie. But um, <laughs> but it's, I digress. Um, yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, I had fun with this one. Um, um, back when we uh, did Andom Holiday, um, uh, uh, Jenny would always ask me if I thought if I thought I would watch the movie that we watched again in the future. Um, I, I'm probably not going to watch it. I think I got everything I'm going to get out of only you um, with this viewing. But um, that being said, it was fun. Um, or, Mr. Tomei um, um, is is wonderful. Is um, a total dime piece with that short hair for sure. 
Um, fantastic. But um, yeah, um, final word on the film is, hey, everybody, don't go out and have <laughs> physical and or emotional affairs with people. Um, instead, talk to the person you're with. And the score I'd give it is probably like a, um, it's like a five. I'll give it a five. I didn't hate my time with it, but I won't watch it again. So. Uh, Jimmy, uh, final thoughts on the score. And favorite side character, if you have one. Favorite side character? <laughs> uh, I don't think you're going to top Santa Claus David Bradley. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> He's my favorite side character now, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, rating-wise, I'd probably give it, like, a four. Really? Yeah. I'd probably this was your four. movie. I know it was. I know it was. But like I said... I picked this it was your on, idea, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> based on what I remembered versus how I perceived it watching as a 32-year-old woman. Um, and that's changed a lot. Uh, so, um, so yeah, we're going to give it a four. Uh, you know, it's a very pretty movie, like visually. Very gorgeous. Uh, Cinematography is pretty good, uh, you know. Um, but still, still a four, just for all the toxic and dangerous connotations uh, that happen throughout the movie. Um, my favorite side character, though, and yeah, Santa Claus, Damon Bradley. Now that that's yeah. in my head, that's actually how I'm going to remember it now. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, that's a Christmas movie. It's a <laughs> so that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, I will. Uh, I'm probably going to uh, stick uh, stick around and just give it a five. I can't. I can't go four. I mean, it's it's. You know, it. I agree. It's it's uh it's it's got some dangerous concepts to it. Um, but here's here's the thing. We didn't really talk about this that much. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Marissa Tomei are going for it in this movie, guys. Yeah, that's uh, really they good. Really they, are, they, yeah, you can't deny that. They yeah. are they are they are going for it. Uh, and then of course uh, Bonnie Hunt. Uh, playing the role that like she will Bonnie hunt for the rest of her life. Um, I mean, she she does the supportive side character better than just about anybody. Uh, and she's killer in this movie as well. So I can't I can't give it less than a five. At the same time, I can't go higher than five because I do think like this is one of those movies where when they were writing the script, some of these ideas seemed really good, and then when you see them on the screen, you're like, we probably should have done something differently here. <laughs> Um, because you, the thing is about this movie, you have a good enough premise with, I just have to know, okay? And, like, even though that's crazy, like, all of us have done crazy things, we can relate to that, okay? But when you start bringing in, like Al said, we start bringing in, you know, like, uh, sexual assault uh, into this uh, situation, uh, it does start to become uh, a different kind of movie in, in two, 2022 than it was in 94. Um, so I'm going to stick with five. Um, you know, I... You know, I I don't know if I'll seek out watching it again, but if I see it on TV, I might you know turn it on and, and laugh and and have a chuckle at uh, you know Damon Damon Bradley Santa Claus, uh, you know, and think about that. So so yeah, so that is uh, that was our Phantom flashback uh, for today. Uh, be on the lookout for more of these. Uh, like I said, we're gonna hopefully try and set these up. I do want to uh, to keep this going. Uh, give uh, give all the uh, fandom uh, correspondents a chance to make us watch movies that uh, are special to them for some reason, um, but might be a little excuse me might be a little under the radar. Um, I'm you know I'm almost absolutely terrified to see what I'll pick for.
for this situation. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, we're, but, uh, but uh, I'm, I do appreciate you guys listening in. And uh, as always, remember, Phantom is for everything. And uh, we'll For talk everything. Everything. <laughs> is for everything. Phantom is for everything, everybody. Phantom is for everything. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know why. Lord, Lord, I don't know. Here's the thing. Lord Hill's like, I, now I've got <laughs> Phantom is for everything. I've got that in my head now. Phantom is for everyone. <laughs> Phantom is for everyone. And uh, we will uh, we hope, hope you'll hear from us soon.